We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose Man Ruins podcast. This episode 237 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Plenty to get to here on the pod. The NFL playoffs rolling on. Winning picks coming your way. Uh, we're back on the horse. It seems like we're in lockstep this season, Matt. We win, we win, we lose, we lose. Whatever you do, I do. And I'm happy, as always, to be alongside you in more ways than one. We're going to get into NFL action. Uh, we're going to talk winning picks moving forward. Got some other topics, maybe a mailbag to dive into. But as always, first and foremost, wellness check. How the hell are you? I'm, you know, I'm doing pretty well. Um, it was a very fun weekend of wildcard football. I, I still think, I think you and I will both agree that divisional weekend is probably the best weekend in the NFL. But the sheer amount of football you get and it being playoffs makes wildcard weekend just wildly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, what do we get? We got six games last week and we get six games this or no am I, how am I, I think it's up? no we can't have i don't know let me pull up let me we pull up four, yeah, we we're not smart games. guys we got six games last week we get four games this week so yeah two, two and less two games it's two less games but the quality of the game definitely rises i was already um leading with that uh, yesterday on air was like this is this is the best football weekend of for me it's the best football weekend of the year uh divisional round coming up we got Cincy Tennessee uh Joe Cool who, who won't be phased he's uh, good, looking man. at Looking to take the throne. King Henry coming back to assume his throne. San Francisco, Green Bay going to be zero degrees as A-Rodg tries to get over the hump against his hometown team that he's 0-3 against in the playoffs. You got the Rams and the Bucks. Uh, Tom Terrific in Week 20. Can he do wrong? Well, he might not have the team to do right by him with all the injuries there, but L.A., they seem to be moving in the right direction. You know, sometimes they give you a stinker on the tail end of their best performances, but if they can build off of the win last week, they're going to be really tough to beat there, regardless of Tampa being home. And then Buffalo KC, uh, there's no better way to wrap up divisional round weekend than that rematch of what was, I believe, the AFC Championship game uh, last season. I'm not mistaken there. Yes, correct? that was that Stephon was that we had standing the, there and I was going to say I saw that famous picture on you know going viral on Twitter yeah, with man, him standing there with the, the stuff four, in the background. This is four awesome matchups. Um, only one underdog won uh, in the wild card round, but. For me, that does not uh, – no. there's no large conversation that needs to happen around. Is there no. too much football? Is the seventh seed necessary? You just don't like football enough if you don't think that, if you, if, that like, it's necessary. If you say the seventh seed isn't necessary, then start saying the five seed's not necessary because the Cardinals lost 34 to 11. Like Sometimes yeah. play, like blowouts happen in wild card weekend because whether they're the seventh seed or a team that started you know hot like Arizona and limped down the stretch and still made it – Wild card weekend more than any other is about who's playing well, who's not playing well at the you know, at the right time, and we just caught a bunch of teams. Yeah, also, the Chiefs are going to blow out anybody they play that night. They just happen can, to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can trace those effects all the way back to Week 18 as well, because the two seed no longer gets a buy, and it's just the one seed. More teams are forced to play in the final week of the season. So um, while there were some guys who were sat in the final week of the season, mm-hmm. if you got a buy game, if you got a buy on the line out in front of you, I know that wasn't the case in the NFC, but it was in the AFC. You know we're gonna get we're gonna get great 
efforts by these teams all the way through the line. So I, I, I don't want to have a conversation here about uh, the playoff format, but I think they got it right right now. I agree. Uh, but Matt, let's go it back. It makes that buy that much more valuable. That, it, for, it, that it, number one seed even more valuable, which I it like. It very much does. And we know, you know the history of one seeds and getting to the Super Bowl. It's, it's your fast track there, having to play one less game now. The Packers have been on what feels like a bye week for two weeks now, not having anything on the line in week 18, um, still played their guys. I, I don't know if there's going to be any rust to kick off. You got 12 running the show there, and everybody knows what's expected uh, when it gets to this time of the season. It's usually the NFC Championship game where they fall flat, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Like I said, let's go back to go forward and talk about these wild card round games, Matt. Um, I think I'm just going to roll the ball out for you. Like, you think back to wild card 2022, the first thing you think of is what? Wild card 2022, the, the Bills. Last weekend. The Bills. I, it just, I, don't, I don't know what about the Bills I'm thinking, but I'm just thinking about the Buffalo Bills. And mainly, like, that Such was. Such a against a division rival. Yeah, and they, it's going to be tough to replicate that against K not obviously that result against Kansas city or even that like performance, because I literally think they played a perfect football game against KC, but like that's going to be a tough one after finally slaying that, you know, slaying the dragon, even though you kind of knew you were going to do it to get back up for a team like Kansas city. But at the same time, it feels like Buffalo is on a little bit more of a mission. And, you know, I, I think Kansas city after last year's AFC title game, we saw what they did to Kansas city on Sunday night football earlier this year. I feel like while it doesn't have the longevity of the New England beatdowns, like I feel like Buffalo also holds Kansas City in that regard. Like that's the next dragon. This isn't just another mm-hmm. opponent. Like we're getting them now. This isn't like them getting. No offense to the Bengals. Like this isn't them getting the Bengals where it's like, all right, we might be in your head. You subconsciously think we can take our foot off the gas. Like I think them jumping right back into the Chiefs probably actually helps their focus, helps their mindset going forward. If Buffalo plays the type of game that they played against New England. Now, yes, it's going to be a tougher test against KC at KC. It's, it's, it's a large ask. But if they play the brand of football that they played against New England, nobody beats them. That I, was, I, think that was, I think that was the best we've seen anybody play. There might be individual games you could pick off in week three, week 10, whatever. But in terms of moment, in terms of execution matching the moment, mm-hmm. nobody brought it better than Buffalo here in the wild card round. Um, I want to run through these games and just kind of get your big takeaway from each one, your lasting thought, what what was impressed upon you by either the winner or the loser. Um, for me, the moment was Buffalo definitely, but also the final moments of Dallas finding a new way to lose. Oh, my um, God. We'll get to that. Because that was really the one game that was that – Close like that. I guess yeah. the Bengals Raiders came down to one play at the end there too, but it was still a touchdown game. And Dallas was the only favorite not to win uh, here in the wild card round. Let's start chronologically. Let's talk Vegas Cincinnati. For me, not only the emerge it's it's the quarterbacks. Not only the emergence of Joe Burrow as someone who is so ready for this moment, who is who could not relish the spotlight more, who is hashtag built for this like mm-hmm. that was I don't know how deep Cincinnati's going to go I don't know if they can give Tennessee some problems I think it's going to be a good game but man if that young if that young gun is not ready to do what he was born to do and on the other side 
Derek Carr, that's his team. That does, He deserves to have that team. He deserves to have the full support of whoever the general manager that comes in is going to be. If he wants Rich Bisaccia, they said hire Rich Bisaccia. Derek Carr is the reason that the Raiders made the playoffs. He's the reason that they had a chance in the playoffs. Um, he's the reason that they held together through all that attrition this year. I was very impressed by both of those quarterbacks in that game. Yeah, I thought Derek Carr didn't play his best game. I thought early on, especially when the, you know, the Bengals' defense was was pretty fired up and got to the pass and did a great job rushing the passer, putting pressure on him. But for as out of that game as the Raiders should have been early, their defense kind of kept them in it, holding to some field goals. And then Derek Carr kind of got his feet wet and did his thing and got the Raiders to his much as they should not have been in that game at the end, Derek Carr still gave them a chance to win driving down the field and then, you know, came down to one play. It went the Bengals way, but I was impressed with him as the game, the more the game went on because he got so beat up early. It could have been pretty easy for the Bengals to run away with them and run away with that one and help that the, the, uh, the Raiders defense held them to field goals. Like I was saying, but Carr kind of kept them in it, kept them in it, kept making, making plays. And he, yeah, you're right. He's the reason they've been, they're there. He's the reason they made it as far as they did that that team held together and credit to Rich Passaccia too. I know they're interviewing coaches, but that guy, that guy seems like he's got the respect of that locker room. He seems like he's a pretty solid head coach. And I, I think with what he did over the last however many weeks of the season alongside Derek Carr, I think if, especially if Carr wants him to stay, that's, that's gotta be your guy. Yeah. Carr came to the podium. That was one of the first things that he said. He didn't call, he didn't say him by name, but when he was asked about the future of this franchise, all that they've been through this year, his answer was, we know who we want here. And we hope that that person is here. Like he is, Mm -hmm. he and a large portion of that locker room were so relieved. um, When Basaccia took over, because of the we talk about the air in the room but because of the air on the sideline as well josh jacobs alluded to it saying you know it's so much more laid back he lets us be us we can play the football we know we can play there isn't uh you know there's enough outward pressure we don't need pressure from the coach like Mm -hmm. it, it almost seemed like i don't know just from josh jacobs standpoint they never felt like they had from from their coach they never had a a vote of confidence. It was more John Gruden challenged them to be mm-hmm. who they need to be, whereas Rich Basaccia already believed that they were, you know, rather than, hey, are you going to be this team type coaching style that John Gruden gave them? So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, keeping it rolling here, we did talk Buffalo, New England, but I want to get a New England takeaway from you here, Matt, because Buffalo, as spectacular as they were, New England was equally as poor. Um, this one was over practically before it started, which is never the hallmark of a Bill Belichick-led team. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll phrase the question this way. Does New England have what it needs to be a contender? I'm not saying win a Super Bowl, but to get to the playoffs consistently, win divisions, and 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 oppose the Buffalo Bills um, with – with more than they gave them here in the playoffs. Cause you know, you see them twice a season, division's going to go down between these two. Does new England have what they need right now? That's a tough question because as bad as new England looked on Saturday, I, I just think that was so much more of a statement about who and what Buffalo is than who and what new England was this year. I think at times new England overachieved this year. I think early on in the season at times they probably under underachieved a little bit. I think you need to keep adding some pieces to that defense. They, that was very good. You probably can use another edge rusher to opposite Matthew Judon. 
Um, that, that secondary is getting a little bit older. Older, they were obviously without Stephon Gilmore this year, who left for uh, I believe it was Carolina, or wherever. Probably use some help there, but like Mac Jones is not Tom Brady. Rookie quarterbacks very rarely, if not ever, other than Tom Brady, come in and win you playoff games, win you Super Bowls. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I just think he needs some time to grow. I think he probably could use another weapon as, as much as Bill Belichick doesn't really love to add those. He could probably use some help. He probably needs it more than Tom did. Like, I'm not that down on the Patriots. I still think they're a pretty good football team. I just think they ran into a buzzsaw and kind of what might be the version of their old selves what they used to be a really good football team that was just rolling and it was a perfect scenario they had all the motivation in the world like it was that was a buzz saw that i think just about anybody would have ran into and the same thing would have happened so i have a hard Definitely. time saying that was a patriots thing that for me was such a bills thing Definitely i think that they have some really nice pieces in place to you know be a competitive team be a playoff team and belichick is always going to maximize the talent um, it, it felt like we got a little bit over our skis in terms of the Mac yeah. Jones hype train. Agreed. He was playing so well. We we're talking offensive player of the year. He wasn't giving the ball away. And I think you can trace it back to that passed it three times and beat the Bills game in Buffalo um, earlier in the season. I believe that was week 14, somewhere around there, uh, where they won 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, mm-hmm. he didn't have to throw the ball. The Monday they night did game. what they needed to do, but almost – a, a negative turning point for Mac Jones as an individual turned it over, I believe eight times after that point um, really got loose with some things. Didn't look as confident throwing the ball after that. I'm not saying that that was the cause of it. That's just the turning point. That's the line of yeah. the line of demarcation for the season for Mac Jones. And I think he looked a lot more like a rookie quarterback after that. There was that middle stretch of the season where it's like next Tom Brady, we're ready to rock copy and paste New England as the divisional champ for the next decade. Mm -hmm. Belichick's got his guy. Josh McDaniels is going to leave because Mac Jones is here. And what's Belichick going to, you know, give the keys to McDaniels for in the short term? Like we had just gotten out in front of ourselves a little bit where I think the maturation process and that development of Mac Jones still needs, um, you you still need to add a little time to that equation to get the, to get the answer that you're looking for. He's Mac Jones is going to be a, a, pretty darn good NFL quarterback. I'm not going to go ahead and say he's going to be an elite NFL quarterback, but like he can be a very good NFL quarterback. He just needs time to grow, needs time to develop. And he's not the elite talent that everybody kind of thought he was. I think the Patriots ran into a beneficial stretch of their schedule kind of through that time. They did catch Buffalo at a time where Buffalo wasn't playing very good football. And they did what Bill Belichick does to not, great you know average type football teams mm-hmm. when he has a solid roster he usually out coaches them usually out schemes them and they win some football games it's not a knock on anybody there it's just we're so used to bill belichick and the patriots being bill belichick and the patriots with tom brady it's it's not they they, they don't have tom brady anymore they need some time but i don't think this is like i i still think the patriots are gonna be a playoff team just about every year be a team that's right there it's gonna be hard to contend for the division with how good buffalo can be but they're going to be a team that can be there just about every year, I think, because I think Mac Jones is probably only going to get better. Let's talk Tom Brady. Tampa Bay takes care of Philly 31-15. Could have been much worse. Uh, Tom and his and his crew got out to a torrid start in this one and really just kind of uh, put it off cruise control there in the second half. Mike Evans was spectacular. Um, they did suffer a couple injuries that we'll talk about in game previews here coming up. Um, but in terms of what they were able to accomplish against Philly, I don't think anyone thought that the birds were going to come out here and pull an upset. Um, did they do enough, Tampa Bay, that is, Matt, to 
incite some confidence in you and think that um, you know the defending champs really have something to say for themselves here over the next few weeks? Uh, yes, uh, mainly because it's Tom Brady in the playoffs, and they came out and looked as efficient as they yeah. kind of have all year. I know it was against a bad opponent, but they do what a Tom Brady team in the playoffs does do a bad, a bad opponent. That's go up 31 to nothing, you know, in the third quarter, or first half, whatever you want to call it. I forgot when exactly Philly finally got on the board. Um, but if you ask me who I'm taking to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm not betting against Tom Brady and the Bucs. I, I, the Tristan Wirfs injury, mm-hmm. that's a little bit, not a little bit, that's a lot of it concerning, of especially it. if they're their backup right tackle, whose name is escaping me now. But I know he was a little bit banged up too. So if you're on your, your third tackle, that, that might be a little bit of an issue. But I, I, it's it's Tom Brady, it's Jensen the Bucs, it's Gronk. It, like, it sounds like Jensen's going to be good to go, but... Um... Tristan, Tristan Wirfs, I think, is going to start the game on Saturday, or is it Sunday? He's going to try. I mean, he tried to come back in after going down uh, on, mm-hmm. on last Sunday, and it obviously didn't work. Had to come back out a couple plays later. He's going to do whatever he can. He's going to try and play. It's yeah. just a matter of what version we get of him, if he can play the whole game, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, again, I I don't fully will get to the Rams. I know when we break down Rams-Cardinals, I the Rams beat up on – a bad football team. And that's kind of what the Rams have done most of the year. They beat up on a lot of the bad teams. A lot of times, a lot of times against the better teams, there's some adversity there, like the 49ers, like they, the first sign of adversity after going up 17, nothing or whatever it was, they kind of folded. I need to see them do it against a very good football team because the last time they beat a very good football team was pretty much week three against Tampa when they had Tampa at home and Sean McVay in the first half of the season, we've seen his teams are a lot different than the ones in the second half. I, I'm still on Tampa until proven otherwise. Uh, it sounds like we've gone that direction here in the conversation. So L.A., Arizona, um, 34-11. to 11. For me, this was literally the layup gambling of the weekend and really didn't come to light until later in the week when mm-hmm. I thought about these games, read into some of the statistics, not that we give you um, unfounded picks here on the Moose News Podcast. Yeah. We both won our picks this past week, but – the thing that I played on Sunday, or excuse me, on Monday, Monday in this case, was L.A. laying the three. Everyone thought, oh, it's a trap number. All the money's coming in on the L.A. side. Vegas isn't moving the number. They're eating all of this L.A. money because they know Arizona's got something in this one. And it came down to as simple of a fact as this. Neither quarterback had any playoff experience. Now the quarterback had a playoff win, Kyler Murray making his first playoff start. Mm -hmm. So if those guys don't have experience, we got to look for experience elsewhere. Let's look to the head coaches. Sean McVay, been there for the last five years in the playoffs. Cliff Kingsbury, his last postseason victory was the 2013 Holiday Bowl. We're talking about different leagues here, Mm -hmm. literally and figuratively. We're talking about coaches in different leagues. When I saw that, it was chips to the center of the table on L.A. They proved me right. Uh, we also got you to the window on a Matt Stafford over one and a half rushing yards. Didn't even have to sweat it. There you go. Ended up with like 22. Uh, not an OBJ first touchdown score. Plus Come on. There we go. Come on. Uh, so there was a lot of money to be won in that game. But uh, L.A. also had a lot to prove. You make a good point about Arizona sort of being fool's gold at this point of the season. Losing, I believe, five of their last six games of the season. You could trace yeah. that directly back to the uh, – omission of D hop on the outside, but you know, Kyler again went through some of those dings and bumps down the stretch where you start questioning the validity of a five foot 10 quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, made some bad decisions in the moment. His body language on the sideline was terrible. Um, 
I think Arizona is still an exciting asset. I think you can win to a certain extent with Kyler, but um, they were not built to withstand attrition, let's say, the way a Tampa Bay team is. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think the one thing that uh, I now I don't know if it's more of a knock on Arizona or a credit to L.A., their ability to run the ball as well as they did on Monday Night Football is the one thing that leads me to believe they might be a little bit different, a little bit more of a formidable opponent for Tampa Bay because that's something they exactly. kind of struggle to do most of the year. Getting Cam Akers back and, and having him look healthy, and that, that helps Sony Michelle too because he's not the feature guy anymore. I, I was impressed by the way they were able to run the football, but again, no idea what if that's more of a reflection on going up against the Cardinals because running against this now healthy Tampa Bay defense – it might be a little you know, tougher. It was, it was interesting seeing. I think it was week but, 18 after, in, in that layoff weekend of all the guys coming off IR and ready to go and all that. That defense, I know it was Philly, but that defense looked a whole lot different. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see if LA can run the ball on Tampa. To your point, you score 34 points, you trounce a divisional opponent. Matt Stafford throws it 17 times. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, Finding a new way to win in the wildcard weekend always bodes well. Like This is not yeah. how the L.A. Rams win with defense and running game. Mm-hmm. And any way you can make yourself more dangerous this late in the season, it, it does give you a chance moving Agreed. forward. That's going to be a fun one um, to watch play out. we got to talk uh, San Francisco and Dallas. I mean, Dallas just putting together another just – Chef's kiss, quintessential Dallas lay an egg when you got all the pieces, when expectation is at the highest. I think that Dallas's roster might be the most talented that played over the weekend. Like they yeah. were they were built they were built to win a championship. The defense was fantastic. The offense has weapons. The coach isn't great. Let's just let's just say it how it is. Like the it's coach not. has struggled in these moments before. Not to say that the final play there is not a a factor of Kellen Moore's uh, fault. That it's not a factor of uh, Dak Prescott's fault. Mm-hmm. That it's everybody involved with that play outside of the referees is at fault. Credit to Jimmy Garoppolo. Credit to the 49ers for going on the road, getting a big win, kind of denying the naysayers and winning their mm-hmm. way. Uh, 23-17 was your final there. Matt, obviously the last play is the headline here, but everything leading up to it, a massive disappointment for Dallas. Yeah, it's it just kind of comes back to coaching again for me. I, I, that's When I look at that game, when I look at those two teams, like there's no way the Dallas Cowboys should have lost to that San Francisco 49ers roster. And that's not a knock on that San Francisco 49ers roster. I think it's a very good football team. Just put the I talent pick, up against one yeah, another. Like I, I, we, pick, we both picked them to go to the NFC Championship preseason. Like We both think very highly of that roster. I just like Dallas, you look at that offense, you look at that offensive line, the defense had struggled up until this year. And then you add Micah Parsons and finally give yourself you know, kind of the, the elite. I'm not even going to call him a pass rusher because he has a little bit of everything for that. defense. Yeah. Like that, like this was their team. And you have a head coach who was, in my opinion, a very good head coach 10 years ago, but still thinks he's coaching in 10 years ago's you know nfl it it seems like a guy who's stuck in his ways who's refusing to adapt and as good as he was 10 years ago at running a football team as good uh, an nfl program all that kind of stuff like it's time that that game was everything in a nutshell for me showing that it's time the the kicking the field goal to make a two-score game a two-score game the the, the, i just 
everything about that. They could never, they couldn't get the running game going, even though they're the Dallas Cowboys. Dak's clearly playing under some pressure. Like it just, it, it seems like that's not working. I know it's a little bit of a quick hook for him after just two years and one year was without Dak completely pretty much, but Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, it seems like Mike Mike McCarthy's time in the NFL has passed if he's going to refuse to adapt, and it clearly seems like he has refused to adapt. So I, I think Dallas needs somebody fresh in there. Yeah, Stephen Jones did come out with a vote of confidence saying that McCarthy's going to be back next season. He's our head coach. Uh, you know things change quickly there uh, under the Jones family trust, but we'll see uh, how it plays out. Uh, last game we got to get to here in Wild Card Weekend, Kansas City 42, Pittsburgh 21. The Ben Roethlisberger era comes to a close. Uh, KC, the team that's struggled to flip the switch all season, again kind of pushed their food around for the first 10 minutes of this game and then lit the damn scoreboard on fire to the point where they ran out of fireworks uh, at Arrowhead. I'm not sure if you saw the yeah, scoreboard. I, that, like, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Arrowhead's used to scoring more than 42 points. They had more fireworks. They wanted to go viral. <laughs> you're, you're calling it firework gate? They just I am. To put that I, they're lying. They wanted All to right, put well, that up. Well, here's, here's how the game sort of played out in my eyes. Because if you look at the, the scoring drives, you have a touchdown pass, quarterback to running back. You have a touchdown pass, quarterback to wide receiver. You have a touchdown pass, quarterback to tight end. You have a touchdown pass, quarterback to offensive lineman. You have a touchdown pass, quarterback to wide receiver. You have a touchdown pass, tight end to wide receiver. No team has ever done that in a single season, let alone one game. Okay? No team has ever done all of those things in a single season, let alone in one game. The Kansas City Chiefs will find ways to have fun and beat you in the process. And if they beat the Buffalo Bills, which I think is going to be a very close game this upcoming weekend, if they beat the Buffalo Bills, I don't know that there's a team that can stop them. It's same thing can be same things that I said about Buffalo. Mm-hmm. If Kansas City plays the way that they did on Sunday, it doesn't matter who you bring to them. They're going to beat them. Those so two I guess teams if I put are those the two, two hypotheses. Yeah. If I put those two hypotheses against each other with saying if Buffalo plays the way they did, if Kansas City plays the way they did, I think the world might just get enveloped into a black hole because those two things can't exist simultaneously, but they're two great football teams. We saw their best punch on Sunday. It's astounding all of the different ways Kansas City can beat you. And when they got it going, everybody moving in one direction, just a just a juggernaut of a team to try and beat. Yeah, th- those two teams' bests are the best in the NFL. Like I, when, I when they're when they're playing at their peaks, there are. I don't know who's better, probably Kansas City, but like I don't know who's better when those two teams are playing at their peaks, including the Green Bay Packers. Like, it, There's just not a team better for me when you talk about those two. Um, the, the issue with Kansas City, though, you start you, the way you started breaking down that Steelers game is they pushed around their food. They played with their food for a little bit in the first quarter. There is and no it, time to do it, that. It, 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 yeah, it, it took a TJ Watt scoop and score for them to finally make, oh, you know what, we should probably go score a couple touchdowns now. And as a guy who had Kansas City minus seven and a half in the first half, very glad they did that. Very glad <laughs> they found Travis Kelsey with like four seconds left on a, on a, on a bomb. Um, but if you do that against Buffalo, if you push around your food in that first quarter against Buffalo and Buffalo's playing like they were against New England, you're going to be down 14 nothing, 17 nothing, real quick. And uh, there, as there good were, as that offense is, Buffalo's too good to really – you can't spot them 17 points, even at home, even on Sunday Night Football, even with that offense, and expect to have a good chance to come back and win. 
there were seven combined punts in the first quarter of this game. Like the, the final score mm-hmm. would not tell you that with a combined 63 points. There were seven combined punts in the first quarter. The last time that that happened in a playoff game, the two quarterbacks were Connor Cook and Brock Osweiler. I remember that so, game. So a completely different look than two future Hall of Famers here uh, sort of playing Pong until somebody scored and then broke the broke, broke open the floodgates. But uh, it was a fantastic Super Wildcard weekend. Hopefully we're going to have an even better divisional round. Uh, Matt, we've sort of touched upon all of these games already, but um, let's run back through them one more time. Uh, give a prevailing thought what you're hoping to see, beginning with Tennessee and Cincinnati, 4.30 on CBS Saturday evening. Uh, King Henry's back. They haven't announced his return yet, but, but he's all back. signs are pointing to it. He returned to practice yesterday. They will activate him off the IR probably right before the game. Cincinnati, meanwhile, it's it's Burrow to chase, Burrow mm-hmm. to chase. I, I don't know if Bur- there's enough Burrow to chase there to keep up with Tennessee, but Tennessee, for me, is one of those teams similar to L.A. where we've seen their best and we've seen their worst, and their worst is just not good enough, and that mm-hmm. will leave the door open for Cincinnati. Yeah, and that, that's why this spread is three and a half as opposed to six and a half when you have a, yep. a one seed going up against a, a wild card team. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to seeing Tennessee's offense back at full, full go, full strength, all that kind of stuff. It's gonna be the first time they've had Henry in whatever, like, you know, almost two months. We got eight, their rec- I believe. Okay, they got their receivers healthy. Like this is, I, I'm excited to see that offense back at full strength, and then you have a Bengals offense obviously operating at full strength and and pretty much full efficiency because I know they only put up the 23, but like they could have easily put up 38, 40 in that game, that game against the Raiders. If they were able to finish drives in the red zone, they just weren't able to do that a lot of the time. These are going to be two good offenses, two fun offenses, teams that struggle a little bit on defense. So I think there's some potential for some fireworks. And when there are fireworks in a Bengals game, that means a whole lot of burrow to chase, like you were saying. So I'm excited to see that too. I, for me, this is just the stage is, everything that I'm looking for here because maybe Cincinnati doesn't pull it off, but I have far higher hopes for Joe Burrow as a franchise quarterback than I do Ryan Tannehill. And let's not kid each other. This is a quarterback driven league and quarterbacks are defined not by what they do weeks one through 18, but by what they do in their career in the postseason. So if Joe Burrow can get another win here, even if he doesn't get the win, but he balls out, we're seeing the future of the position on display and it's jarring to think that the future of the position might reside in Cincinnati, but wild outside of Josh Allen. If I'm building a team right now, I'm not sure that there's a quarterback that I want other than Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's perfectly said. Uh, San Francisco and Green Bay, a little bit of precedent here. Uh, Green Bay will welcome San Francisco for this matchup, but Aaron Rodgers' 0-3 career against San Francisco in the postseason. Remember, this is his hometown team. Uh, mm-hmm. He does struggle oftentimes in California. He gets this one in the frozen tundra, thankfully enough for him. Uh, San Francisco is a team that their brand of football travels anywhere and everywhere. They could play this game on the moon, and I think it's going to be a good one but I just don't know if they're going to be healthy enough. If they don't have Nick Bosa due to that concussion, that's a huge knock. They mm-hmm. obviously have some depth there at the D-line, and they're going to be able to pressure Aaron Rodgers regardless. Uh, it looks like Fred Werner is going to be good to go after a scare there. With his yeah, that, I thought that situation. was an ACL. He was at practice yesterday. He yeah. practiced yesterday. He was active. Uh, Jimmy has some issues with that thumb still and now with a shoulder. 
they're banged up, but they just seem to have this brand of football that regardless of how healthy everybody is, they go out there, they find ways to get Debo the ball, whether it's handing it to him, throwing it to him short game, throwing it to him downfield. They've really embraced the moment. They've really embraced who they are over these last few weeks and leaned into that brand of football. And I think that makes them a really tough out. Now, is Green Bay the better team? Yes. Are they well-rested? Yes. Do they have the best quarterback on the face of the planet? Yes. But it doesn't always play out where the best team wins the game, especially when you have a team like San Francisco who wants to pull you down into the mud Mm -hmm. and play that brand of football. It's going to be two degrees uh, at Lambeau. I'm not sure if that plays into anyone's uh, advantage. I don't think it does. Even playing field for everybody now, San Francisco might not be used to that type of weather. Green Bay living in that uh, snow globe might be a little bit more prepared. I, I think the line is right. I-, I don't know that these two teams are separated by all that much. No, I, I think that this is probably the game I'm most looking forward to. I think I shouldn't say that. I'm looking forward to all these games throughout the weekend. But this this is the most intriguing to me because San Francisco, it's like, like you were saying, as banged up as they are, it, which it seems like they've been banged up for two straight years now. Like they're a team that you can never come, uh, count out. They're a team with a head coach who knows how to get his best player the ball, probably better in creative ways, better than just about anybody throughout the NFL. They're going to find ways to get Debo the ball. Debo's going to be able to do his thing, no matter how Green Bay tries to take him out. And it, it's going to come down to if they can run the ball and control the clock, they're going to have a pretty darn good chance in this game. If they can't, and Aaron Rodgers gets the ball and is able to do what he wants to do and the, that offense is going to be able to operate kind of at full force. Packers probably going to win that one, but I don't know. There, there's something with the 49ers and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, and we had that game earlier this year where the Niners kind of had them beat, and then Packers had a little bit too much time. The Niners scored too early. Packers had too much time. I This, this one's just, can San Francisco run the ball? Are they going to be healthy enough to run the ball? And if they can, I, I think they have a very good chance to go into Lambeau. And upset them. I know they're not a cold weather team, but like the Niners are kind of a cold weather team, even though they're in California. Like they they, they jump out at me as a team that doesn't mind the cold and might thrive in it. I, I'm looking forward to this one. I don't know about you, but like when I think of playoff football, especially as a kid, this is always the matchup I think of for whatever reason. Maybe it's because that T.O. catch over the middle in the wild card game over uh, against uh, Favre's Packers yep. is one of like my first playoff memories. But like this matchup, 49ers Packers just screams playoff football to me. 49ers, Packers, Buck and Aikman on the call. It's just how it's supposed to be. A sidebar here, Matt. If I'm building this hypothetical team with either Josh Allen or Joe Burrow, sure. and I want to put an offensive position player talent next to them, who's your first pick? Because mine's Debo. Oh, man. Debo's he pretty good. He is so electric. He can do anything. And he's proved that he can do anything. Like, he is, you know, you could get gimmicky and you could, you know, hand guys the ball receivers. You could get him going and. He is a legitimate running back when you yep. put him behind Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, he's not only a running back in his ability to make guys miss, but he's a running back in the way that he finishes runs. He is so hard to get to the ground. He's not that big of a guy. I mean, he's solid, but the way that he runs with his shoulders over his toes, like, he's just scary, man. Like, yeah, Cooper Cubs had an amazing season, and that's a great pick to add to your team as well. But I think Debo and the, how multiple he can be, yeah. that's my guy. He's you know? such a he's such like a, a Swiss Army knife. He can do anything you ask him to do. You can get create you can get creative and, as you want with him. Like you can put him anywhere. You can line him up. And that anywhere, might, you can move that him. That might all that break kind of stuff. 
that might break some coaches' brains. That makes Kyle Shanahan excited. You know, Kyle yeah. Shanahan knows exactly what he wants to do with him, which is a further credit to his ability. Um, as a imagine how badly player. Matt Nagy would have ruined Debo Samuel. Oh, Christ on a cross. <laughs> We we could have gotten through this podcast without saying this thing, all right? I could have done. I'm it. sorry. It could have been the first one, Matt. But now we got to push that to. We got to be next week. First time for everything. I'm sure you'll find a way. Uh, uh, let's talk Rams and uh, and Tampa Bay here. Well, before we do, before we do, I just want to make a proclamation on behalf sure. of the Chicago Bears, uh, Green Bay, San Francisco, and I, I hesitate to say this because it's opening me up to take a. Another loss, a, a third loss of the season for the Chicago Bears. This is Bears versus Packers, okay? Can we just say it? Jimmy Garoppolo representing the northwest suburbs of Chicago, going up to Lambeau to try and peel one off at A-Rodge. This is Bears-Packers, all right, Bears fans? So this weekend— So you're saying we're adopting the 49ers? We're all 49ers. Okay. We're, all, we're all a part of the Garoppolo family, all right? So grow in your scruff, put a smile on your face, and get ready for a San Francisco 49ers victory. That's Done. all I'm saying. I'm all in on the Niners. Let's go Niners. All right, Tampa Bay and L.A., uh, we, we have sort of uh, leaned into this one already a little bit with the injuries on the Tampa Bay side. Is it too much to overcome, or are you rolling with the goat here, Matt? I Like I, I, you said it since the day we started this podcast. We'll be Patriot. the last ones off the I, Yeah, <laughs> if I lose betting on Tom Brady, all right, cool. Like it's, it's different betting against a coach like, like – Sometimes, like we both actually, uh, two weekends in a row now, we've had no, don't make money betting against Saban, don't make much money betting against Belichick. But at the end of the day, if the other team just has the horses and those guys don't, they're probably going to not cover for you. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's on the field. He's actually still the one making the plays. I'm not going to be the one that bails off the Tom Brady ship too early. I'm going to go down with that ship. Um, I, I, the Rams had a really nice effort against the Cardinals. Like we said, they showed a new way that they can win, but they did it against a team that's just not really all that good, that, that got off to a really hot start, and I think we saw kind of more of their true colors, especially once they got banged up. I'm going to believe they can run the ball on the Bucks when I see them run the ball on the Bucks. That that defense, especially that front seven, has shown they're back to being pretty darn good now that they're all healthy. Um, I, I they need Tristan Wirfs. They need a healthy right tackle, but I'm, I'm not betting against Tom Brady figuring out a way to win at home in January. Yeah, it, we've talked about it in the past, and I think it, it will ring true until he hangs him up. And I don't know if you've watched any of this man in the arena on ESPN+. Plus. Um, not much of it, no, but I want, that's, that's on the list. It gives you a really concise idea of not just the person and player that Tom Brady is, but the expectation that he lays out in front of his teammates. This is a Tampa Bay team that not just last year, but throughout this season has had its ups and downs. But when you get to this point of the year, they have responded to those expectations. They've met them. They've exceeded them. Mm -hmm. I expect them to do so again, whether that's the ones, the twos, whoever it may be. You understand that if you're standing in the huddle with Tom Brady or if you're on Tom Brady's defense – and you're trying to, if you're on a Tom Brady defense and you got to hold a team to three points for the team to win, that's the expectation. And if that's what needs to be done, that is what is done. And yeah, I think it was Shaq Barrett who even talked about it after. I think it was him after they beat the Packers last year. He did a, a post game interview in the FDNC Championship. Basically said, like, I think he was asked, like, what Tom did to change the culture. And that's pretty much what he said. Like, he just said, Tom Brady being here and the expectation he puts on himself, like, that, that, bleeds off to us like the expectation we want to meet that we want like that sets the standard for us so it's not just an offensive thing Tom Brady is, sets the standard sets the expectation for all three phases of the game and the coaching staff as well 
And I think it, um, I think you can drill even deeper into that and like remove Tom Brady from the equation and just talk about football and anyone who's played in a game, no matter the level, no matter the stakes, no matter if there's a conference championship on the line, if it's division three, division one high school, if you have played the game of football, you have understood it and felt it possibly on both sides that in the NFL or in peewee, Sometimes games are won and lost well before the game is played because mm-hmm. one team sees themselves as the underdog. One team feels that the other team is bigger, badder, and better than them. That is never the case with a Tom Brady team. There is 100% belief in him, in what they're trying to accomplish. They never beat themselves before kickoff. And a lot of teams can do that. A lot of, a lot of people who have played this game have felt that, have been on the wrong side of that. And even the, the, one of the greatest feelings is being on the right side of that, walking mm-hmm. out of a tunnel and knowing that the other team doesn't want to see you. I'm not sure that's the case here with L.A. not wanting to see Tampa Bay. I think these are two teams who are both ready for the moment. But a Tom Brady-led team is never going to beat themselves before the first snap, whether they got the ones out there, the twos, or whoever it might be. I think this is going to be a great game. I do think L.A.'s got a really good chance here because – uh, you know, Matt Stafford gets off the schneid, gets his first playoff win, and sometimes that success can snowball and, and that confidence can snowball. And I think that if you're putting these two rosters in front of one another with injuries taken into account, it is advantage L.A. in my eyes. Yeah, that, that's on paper. L.A. has the advantage. And if they go out and win this game, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I know, Tampa's but they don't game. play him on exactly. paper. They, they they don't, and you don't play Tom Brady on paper. <laughs> I, I I know that's a, but you don't play Tom Brady on paper. You still have to I, go yeah, in, right into you. Tampa. You have to beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, and if you do that, I'll t- if if LA does that, will I be absolutely shocked? No, I'll tip my cap and say great game, and and I'll be, be proven wrong. But I'm just I'm going to roll with Tom until proven otherwise. LA listens LA? to the podcast. You I get don't a W. You get a W this week. You're getting a hat tip from the Matt. Rudy, I'll tip that. Right? Cool. Can, okay. I, I, I want to, before we move off this game, uh-huh. it, Tom Brady is incredible. Obviously, it, it's one of the most impressive things in the history of sports. The fact that he's 44 contending for MVPs playing this well. <clears throat> it doesn't get the attention and it probably shouldn't get the attention that Tom Brady does because he's a left tackle, not a quarterback. But the level of play the Rams are getting from Andrew Whitworth at left tackle who is 40 years old and still playing at the top five, top 10 left tackle level yeah. is so I, I, I didn't really even think of it too much until I kind of saw him again on Monday night. It's honestly astounding. And the, he's, he's dinged up right now. He is. He's not, he, he went down in that game times. Yeah. Ankles that he's dealing with, but just a, just a, what that a guy's constant, doing, a constant force there. Something, yeah. something that you just don't have to think about. And what a luxury if you're LA to not have to think about who's going to be playing left tackle. I mean, he's he's, you, literally, he's, a, he's literally a gray beard at left tackle, and he's playing an elite level. Yeah. They're running the football. It's 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 got to be one of the most impressive after Tom Brady, probably the most I, impressive accomplishment. Whatever stat. you want to talk about. I saw a stat um, earlier in the year, and I don't want to mischaracterize it, but it was something along the lines of he is the oldest uh, starting left tackle in the history of the NFL. I know that's not the perfect, the proper framing of it, but there, he set some records this year as well. Um, getting getting the job done at his age is simply spectacular. And when you think about what's asked of those two positions, 
maybe we can get to the quarterback. The quarterback being 44 can make more sense in our mind than a left tackle. I mean, you are clanging and banging hand-to-hand combat. With yeah, he's going through athletes. war every day, like every every, every single, snap, every single play, and for him to continue to do it is uh, he he deserves your tip of the cap even pregame here, Matt. I've, right? I've I've just tipped my cap. We don't we don't tip. live stream this on YouTube, and it's a he's good thing we don't tipped his cap. Uh, but I've tipped my his cap. Knee. Uh, we got to get to the nightcap here on Sunday. CBS Buffalo Kansas City. It might be the best. It might be the game of the year. Game of the year potential between these two. Uh, not that I want anything to decrescendo from this point, but. It's the it's the class of the AFC, and in my eyes, the class of the NFL, Team 1 and Team 2, whichever you think is, but we just said it. These two fastballs is better than anybody's fastball on any given day. Super mm-hmm. excited. I have no idea what to expect, um, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, there's. I feel like we've kind of talked about this game to the extent that we could because we broke down both of their efforts early, and then we started talking about it. But like, this game speaks for itself. You saw both teams are capable last week capable of last week and that's probably the two best quarterbacks in the nfl when they're on when they're on aaron Rodgers obviously has to be or best maybe not talented right now is probably the way to go and versatile and in, in, in rogers and allen and mahomes we, we've said all we can say there like this is gonna be an epic football game it's the two best teams when they're at their best like you said in the nfl there's not much more to be said. It's who's going to show up and be the better version of themselves. And hopefully we get both teams at the best version of themselves because that would make for one of the best football games of all time. And like we said, possibly the earth slipping into a black hole. Hopefully not. but That'd be ideal if it didn't. Then I wouldn't get to go to Pebble. Give their best, we might be in the fifth overtime 100 to 100 and just – Deep into the night they go. I'm, I'm I take on board it. for that as well. I take uh, it. W- would make for a, a long night at work. So let me uh, let me rethink that before I commit. Eh, uh, you'd be fine. That is your divisional round preview. Uh, we will, again, take you all the way through the Super Bowl, and we will take you through the Super Bowl with winning picks. Uh, with that said, Matt, we only have three more picks to make before somebody wins a dozen golf balls here. Yeah. This, see, this, is, this is probably, I, I feel like, the last week where we actually picked you know, spreads, totals, all that kind of stuff. It gets fun the next couple weeks after this one where we got to get creative where it's, you know, receptions over or certain stuff like that. So this, this I is have the part long, where it gets I have, long, I have long gotten creative, uh, as is evident from my <clears throat> Niners-Cowboys first half under 24-and-a-half winner, winner, chicken dinner. Your win last week was, remind me. Oh, I had the Chiefs minus 12-and-a-half. And, a half. and the, the closer we got to that game, the more I, I loved it. Laid the biggest, squarest number on the board, but they couldn't make it big enough. 11 and 8 Against eleven and eight, a dead heat with three to play. Matt Rooney, your lock of the week this week is what? Uh, I talked about it when we broke uh, in the obviously in the the playoff game breakdown, but I, I think Bengals Titans is going to be uh, a lot of offense in that one. I don't necessarily trust either defense a ton, and I, I'm excited to see the Titans back at full force. And we know what that offense can do when they're playing well and healthy, and they will be. The Bengals obviously can put up points with Burrow and Chase. I'm taking the over 47 in that one. I don't love taking overs in playoff games because I, I think the field tends to, to shorten a little bit and the, the emphasis goes to running the football. But since he's going to try to throw the ball, that's what they do. Tennessee's offense is going to be versatile. I think Cincinnati's going to have a tough time slowing down Derrick Henry in his return. I don't think 47 is too much to ask, so I'm going to go over 47 in that one. Uh, I like that play. I am going to go for a total as well, and I am going to play the Packers and the 49ers under. And I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. It's if the cold. 49ers, if the 49ers want to stay in this game, 
It's going to be a run-the-football type game. Mm-hmm. Both of these teams are going to need to run the football effectively because, like you said, it's going to be bone-chillingly cold. And when I say bone-chillingly cold, 15 degrees at kickoff with a wind chill of 6 degrees. 12 degrees at game end with a wind chill of negative 2 degrees. If you think about negative 2 to freezing, so negative 2 to 32, that's a 34-degree 30, difference. That's so math. So think about, think about that within the framework of – Wait. 32 plus the 34. That's the difference between freezing and thir- and 66 degrees. You're blown. You're, my, my head's too confused now. I'm, I'm saying Isn't negative freezing two, 32. Yes, but oh, sorry, two, it's negative the two, difference between positive. negative 2 and 32 is the difference between 32 and 64 degrees. Okay, so, so the difference the, between so, golfing weather and not golfing weather. It, so if you want to put it that way, then yes, perfect. We're golf pod. Historically, games at Lambeau that were played beneath 10 degrees average somewhere in the 30s in terms of total. This is a total of 47 and a half right now. The highest games played sub 10 degrees at Lambeau have only gotten to 43 points. Points don't happen in this weather. If they do, then I got beat. I am going that, that's what you can play live with. here. I'm going run the ball play. I'm going weather play. It's Packers and Niners under 47 and a half. I advise you to do the same. You know, I can't believe we didn't get to this when we were talking about Debo Samuel and our, our love fest for him. But you think he's going to be rocking the, the Tiger Woods under oh armor again? Oh, my God. We are a Debo Samuel pod. The people we are. I think we're the first ever official Debo Samuel pod. So for those who missed it, uh, Debo, both during the game and then post game in his press conference, he wears like uh, his he's long worn like a mock turtleneck situation yeah. under his pads. But no one, you know, you don't make any deal of it. Well, someone got a, a picture of the back of the mock turtleneck, and it happens to be the Tiger Woods mock turtleneck polo with the sleeves cut off. So Debo I mean, is a Tiger guy, and by the Debo trans- transitive po- property, we are Debo guys. Uh, awesome stuff out of the Niners 1-9. I think Debo's been in sleeves before. He's not a I-don't-wear-sleeves guy. I think you got to – this, this is not a tough guy moment. You wear what you need to wear yeah. to make sure your body functions. Just make sure you have the, the Tiger logo on the back there. Just make sure that it's a, a tiger long sleeve polo. Yes, that's, yeah, that's, all. that's, that's fine. imperative. Uh, Matt, that's all I have in terms of locks of the week. Uh, you, again, uh, recap that pick. You're giving the over. I got the Bengals-Titans over 47. 47, and I am playing Green Bay-San Francisco under 47 and a half. Uh, do you have a buy or sell for us, Matt? Uh, I do. We're going to talk UFC 270. Correct. Is that the one? Say it with your, 270? Say it with your, say it I don't. I did not trust myself enough to say it with, her che- with my chest, as we do with most big UFC, at least main events. Um, and this one, like we were talking about before the pod, has a, is two pretty good uh, co-mains. I'm going to ask you very simply, buy or sell UFC 270? Um, I buy it with a caveat that it is extremely uh, top-heavy. Like you said, the main event, co-main event, Two awesome fights with belts on the line. You have heavyweights going at it in Cyril Ghosn and Francis Ngannou. Cyril Ghosn's actually the uh, the favorite here at minus 155, where Ngannou is the title holder. He's been on ice for a while, hasn't fought in a bit. People are very critical of... Yeah, why is that? I noticed he, that. A lot of people say that, you know, he just sort of... Um, 
overwhelms guys and he comes at them with not just power but speed and sort of a free wielding approach now his last win was a little bit more technical but he's not um he's not fully developed as a boxer he's more of just a pure striker i'm going to throw a number of i'm going to throw too many punches at you for you to withstand all of them. Cyril Gon's a guy who might be able to withstand all of them. He might be a little bit more complete, well-rounded in terms of wrestling. If he can get it to the ground, um, he can bring submissions into play where uh, Nganu is a little bit more of just the going to sleep you with my hands type Mm guy. I I like plus money with Nganu. Uh, If you're going to give me plus money on the guy holding the belt, I'll probably take that. Uh, In the co-main, there could not be a more opposite fight of a heavyweight bout between <laughs> and a flyweight bout between small men who can also murder you in multiple ways. It's Brandon Moreno who took the belt off of Devis and Figueredo the last two time or the last time that these two met and Figueredo will now look to take it back. He's plus money. The last time they fought, it was crazy. It looked like it was Moreno's. Then Figueredo settled in and it looked like he was going to win this thing. And then Moreno comes back and wins it. It was unbelievable and if that is any indication of what we're going to get again then yes i'm buying simply for this fight not to say i'm not excited about inganu gone but um moreno figueredo these are two guys who go out on their shield there's a chance that we look at them after the fifth round after the championship rounds both bloodied hugging each other one of those scenes that it's like jesus how are these two guys standing it could be that type of fight between these two I I'm looking forward to it. And like we were talking about before the pod too, you were saying that, you know, these two, it's a, it's a very top heavy card that those are kind of the only two that are really brand name brand recognition. But like, I was talking about you, like I'm not a guy that outside of the, the top two, let's be real, pretty much the top fight of most cards that I'm not really too familiar with most guys. So when I'm buying these events, like I like tuning in and just like, I don't care if the, first fight on the actual pay-per-view card is someone that is not that highly touted of a fight, not that great names. Like it's such a unique, not unique experience for me, but I so rarely watch UFC that like I still get into those fights because it, it's a rare event for me that I get to act, that I'm actually tuning into them. So it doesn't really bother me as much that it's not as, as big name fights throughout the card. I'm still looking forward to watching those early fights because UFC is just, it's always entertaining to me. It's just yeah, such a, and- rare sport that i sit down and watch all four fights that i when i do it's it's always fun to do you know we were talking about it before that these are sometimes those lesser knowns come out with a little bit more of a uh uh, you know slash and burn approach like a little Mm -hmm. less defensive a little less on the line let me put on a show on this grand stage and you do get some fireworks out of some lesser knowns um to go back to the Figueredo Moreno fight, though, just to sell it here. It is a trilogy fight. Um, these oh. two guys they've met twice before. It was a draw in the first one, and then uh, Moreno won the second one with a late submission after it looked like he was going to be uh, uh, on the wrong end of it. So some precedent between these two. Uh, Figueredo, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master, and for him to be um, submitted by Moreno was something spectacular. So this could go a million different ways, and that's what I think makes it really interesting and worth the price of admission. I'm thinking an Nganu Figueredo parlay. Oh, I thought it was like what? Like th- they can't they can't let them fight. That would be something. <laughs> um, I'm, no, I'm thinking a pa- parlay of the slight dogs. I, I kind of like that. Okay. I kind of like that because you're getting plus money on both of them, yep. and both of them have really good chances to win. Okay, I like it. That's that's what I'm rolling with. 
Matt, you got anything else for the people before we say goodbye? Yeah, I got, we got to ask a little. I got to ask you a little bit about the Bears search here. Um, uh, not necessarily who you think goes where or who who comes here. All like more or less, you're talking to guys throughout the week uh, on, mm-hmm. on NFL topics and all that kind of stuff, and, and you're talking to more of the insiders than, than most of us are, just kind of checking Twitter. Mm-hmm. Are there things people are hearing? Are there things people are hearing in terms of interviews that have gone well, coaches that are going highly thought of coaches, all that kind of stuff. What, what have you heard throughout the last week about the Bears GM slash coaching search? Um, I'm not sure. I do have one piece of information that's, uh, that's non-public, but, um, and I'll share in a moment. But I'm not sure that I've heard a whole lot regarding filling the position okay. that you guys haven't heard that we haven't seen. You know, Apparently the Dayball interview went fantastic, but the Bears do want to have a GM in place before mm-hmm. putting the coach in place, which – Hey, hire the GM this week then because yeah. Dable season he's not going to be around very long. Could be over on Sun. Like, come on, like let's we we don't want to be third in line to eat with eight teams yeah. trying to eat. You know, so I agree. Like, ideally, the GM is comes first, but if yeah, you have that so guy, him. then go get so your guy. So find him. So find him, him and hire him now. Yeah, um, I, I'm not going to get fired up over it. The piece of That's information fine. that I do have is that. There is a growing uh, belief within the Saints locker room that Sean Payton will not be their head coach next year, which wow. which is twofold here. There's another opening, a, a, I believe a ninth opening, if, if Sean Payton does mm-hmm. not coach the Saints last year. Uh, through a source who uh, trains and um, treats a couple of the players yeah. for the Saints – um, there's a belief within that locker room that Sean Payton will not be the head coach next year, that he has his eye on a, uh, on a booth job, that he has his eye on a studio job. Not that it's, it's him leaving to go to another opportunity, but just the fact that it's run its course in New yeah. Orleans, that he did not love life without Drew Brees. He did not love his quarterback situation. He doesn't like really the team that's been assembled or some of the dissent that's happened, whether you want to say Michael Thomas or, yeah. or other things that are going on. I think it's time for a fresh start somewhere for Sean Payton. Now, does that change the percentage chance? I think that he's the Chicago Bears coach. Maybe that information bumps that number a little bit because mm-hmm. he's more open to a sales pitch. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but I'm saying don't be surprised that there's a new head coach in New Orleans. Interesting. And that – I mean, it's been whispered about now for it, it seems like all year. Yeah. Um, that that would make sense. It's it's just sometimes those things tend to run its course, and that one it, it kind of just seemed like Sean Payton was attached at the hip to Drew Brees, and that was always going to kind of run its course once Drew Brees went away. And credit to Payton, like that Saints team, especially with their quarterback play, especially with with Jameis going down as early as he did for the year had no business being a playoff contending team and yet they were there in you know week uh, week 18 with a chance or week 17 week 18 with a chance to to clinch a playoff for so it's credit yeah, to him they, and the coaching while they did, did. while they didn't get over that hurdle it's very much very very similar to what we saw in Pittsburgh with mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin that team did not belong in the playoffs no they didn't have an offensive line they didn't have a quarterback they didn't have one of their top wide receivers the defense was outside of TJ Watt okay um they got coached to the playoffs. Yes. I think that the Saints if, got coached to their um, to their highest ability. And yeah. if you could coach this Bears roster to make it an us thing again, if you could coach this Bears roster to their highest ability, I think we're very we're, we're by all measures a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I if, could if, be wrong. I don't know. And hey, Sean Payton, if if 
he was like, hey, we, if they parted ways this year and he wanted to go do, you know, a booth job for a year or two until the absolutely perfect home run opportunity opened up that he wanted to take. Great. But if there's any inkling of thought that he is interested or would entertain an offer from the Bears, obviously that probably wouldn't just be the Bears, you know, the Giants, all them kind of too, but you have to do everything you can to try and make that possible. And if it doesn't work out and if he's just not sold on it, that's fine. But if there's even a 1% chance that he's interested in it, I, you have to move mountains to try and get him. If not, I think it's it's weird how we've kind of flip-flopped on Brian Dable, I think, all year. He went from the you know, beginning of the year, he was the hot candidate to, well, the Bills are kind of sputtering offensively. Josh Allen doesn't look great. And now we've kind of seen Josh Allen at his, his peak. And we both talked about prerequisites. One of our bigger prerequisites being – for a head coach, a guy that's, if you're hiring a coordinator, a guy that's ran his own side of the ball, been the head coach of his side of the ball. Dables did that, done that for however many years he's been with Sean McDermott. I think it's four. And more importantly, he's overseen the Josh Allen uh, project. And Josh yeah. Allen very much was a project. He's not now. Yeah. The project's complete now. But when they drafted him, he was a project with a really incredibly talented arm and not a whole lot else going for him. And Brian Dable saw that development in four years and turned him into a top three NFL quarterback this year. So if I, if I, that's, that's what you don't hire for the quarterback, but you might, that one seems a little bit different because he seems like he's good for the entire team and your quarterback. If I'm sitting in that room and I'm asking the questions of these potential head coaches, I'm asking two questions. I'm asking, what are you doing to change the culture here at Hellas Hall? And mm-hmm. what are you doing to develop our quarterback? That's yep. all that those are the only ones that matter. That's all that matters to me. We'll get a defensive coordinator. Those guys will rise to the occasion. We'll do what we have to do. Those are the two things that will determine the course of the Chicago Bears over the next five years. What are you doing to change the culture in Hallis Hall? What are you doing to develop this young quarterback? And those are the only two questions that matter. I think Brian Dable could be that guy. I think Sean Payton could be that guy. I think John Harbaugh could be that guy. I think – well, John Jim, could, too. I, yeah, John could, I'd too. love it if John, think, John wants to come. Think, we'll take him, too. Jim Harbaugh, I think Jim Harbaugh could be that guy. I, I think that Byron Leftwich checks the box of developing yeah. quarterback. I don't know what he does to change the culture because, much like Brian Dable, we haven't seen them, you know, with the ability. We haven't seen them put in the position to, you know, get their true fingerprints mm-hmm. on a, you know, on a franchise. Maybe we give a little bit more edge there to Dable because uh, Sean McDermott isn't, isn't the character that Bruce Arians is. So maybe mm-hmm. we think Dable has more of a say in the day-to-day culture there in Buffalo than Leftwich does in Tampa. But again, this is us from the outside looking in. I have my short list. We've presented that list. Uh, let's hope it's someone on the list. I guess that's all I can say, Matt. Leftwich does seem like the candidate that um, that. Well, I, I you, like I said, we both said we kind of like the guy that's that's ran his own side of the ball before. Bruce Arian seems hands off enough in Tampa that it, he, I, he seems like a guy that truly dig. Not necessarily Andy Reid, where he's kind of always got his hands in it. He's still getting a little bit involved with the play calling. I, I think he has a lot more to do with that than Bruce Arians. I think yeah, Bruce Arians kind of gives you the playbook and is like, Hey, this is your, like, I'm, I'm the CEO of this team. Like you want to b- bounce some things off me. That's great. But this is, this is your show. And it, it seems and like I, there's more of that. Whereas Kansas City's a two headed monster. I think that's <clears> outlined every week when you like, just, just this weekend, anytime they cut to the, anytime they cut to Tom Brady on the sidelines, Pay attention to who's around him because it's usually left. It's usually left yeah. with 
in his pocket, them talking about the next series, getting whereas like you said, there's a little bit more of the CEO approach there by Arians. He's still front and center on the sidelines, watching the defense, things of that sort. So um just hopefully we have some news. Hopefully we have a GM by the next time we talk here on the pod, Matt, so we can then have a head coach not too long after that. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, I believe that the Vegas odds right now have uh, Brian Flores as the favorite to be the Bears' next head coach. Dable was next, I think, right? Dable was next, and Leslie Frazier was three. Um, Give me number two. Yeah, I would very much. (laughs) If it ended up being Brian Flores, I would. I guess I, I, I'm a little bit concerned about his offensive coordinator history. Uh, yeah, and his three, track three record with a young quarterback this, that he couldn't get along with. That said, but I don't. I, I don't think he comes here if he doesn't believe he wants this job, or comes here if he doesn't believe in Justin Fields and believe he can get along with him. I think he would just rather go take a Giants job, where he can probably pick his quarterback in a year or two and have a lot of job security. So if he takes the job and he comes here, I think that leads me to believe that he has a positive look uh, outlook on Justin Fields and all that but like but having said that given his history with two and offensive coordinators that's a a little bit of a red flag for me when you have such a quarterback development project going on let's cross those bridges when we get there Matt but for now we say thank you for listening to the Moose I, I would I would be remiss if I didn't me- mention I just don't want to cut outro. you I don't want to cut you off but I do one month from now outro. Joe one you month from now I'll be Matt? on the second tee at Spanish Bay I had to you do that. You do the outro today. I just wanted that? to say that. I'm excited. A month from now, I'm going to be playing Spanish Bay. Hey, guys, oh, you, you hear that? Care? A month a month from now, one month Matt's going to be playing golf without us. You guys you guys happy about that? Yeah, I think so, probably. I'm excited. Can All I right, not well, be excited? You know what I'm excited for? That's going to do it for episode 237 of the pod. For Joe Musso, I'm Matt Rooney. Have yourselves a very good week. Uh, like us, follow us on Twitter. Uh, like subscribe on itunes uh, check us out on soundcloud all that good stuff for now goodbye joe say goodbye to the people wow he gave me a say goodbye to the people i was waiting for it bye people may god give you for every storm a rainbow for every tear a smile for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial i swear i've seen a lot of stuff in my life but that was awesome (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.